Welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. This is Brian here with you. The Three Faces of Eve is the 1957 film with Joanne Woodward in the title role as three characters, uh, two of which are the majority of the film, the third personality in the remaining portion of the film. Uh, joining us today to talk about many of the themes and um, topics uh, addressed in the film is Jill Riley from Post Traumatic Faith Podcast, uh, mental health advocate and abuse survivor. Um, Jill, thank you so much for being here today. I uh, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, now, I do want to mention a couple of resources up front for anyone out there who, who may need to reach out for help today. There is a crisis text line in the U.S. You can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741. In the U.K., you can text SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. Depending upon where you are in the world, um, check your local listings, um, as they say. Um, Jill, thank you so much for, for being here today. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to talk. Right, no, um, th The Three Faces of Eve is a, um, a film that sooner or later would have come up eventually for the, yeah. for the podcast, just by virtue of it being one of the... Um, yeah, I guess I'll say classic, um, mm -hmm. you know, movies about uh, mental health uh, and, and mental illness. Um, and I, I uh, over time, I've I've gotten to be a, a bigger and bigger Joanne Woodward fan. Um, this is not, obviously, it's not my favorite um, Joanne Woodward film because there's so many. Which is so, your favorite? Oh, there's so many to pick. There is so oh so many. Um, I'm going to say, um, not, not, Three Heads of Eve is, is, a, is, is easily in the top five, so I'm not going to lie. Okay. I mean, it, it, it is good. Um, I do, I absolutely love um, the effect of, man, I forgot the name, it, it's a hard, um, let me find it. Um, I don't. I don't do. I don't do editing. Editing. So this is going to be interesting. So I'm drawing a blank on on, on the name. Uh, but I will. I can find it in just a moment. But be, before I before I do, one thing that I did want to point out that is interesting about Three Faces of Eve, and that um, it is on a Cinemascope. It was filmed in a Cinemascope, which is interesting because the majority of the film, and this is a non-spoiler, is essentially the, the dialogue between the Joanne Woodward character, right. uh, Eve and, and her um, three personalities and the um, psychiatrist, a doctor of Luther played by um, Lee, Lee Cobb. So it's always interesting to um, see that in there. Um, okay, found, found the name. Uh, there are a couple that I, that I do like uh, as far as um, Joanne Woodward. Um, the movie that really did it for me as far as, um, there is The Effect of Gamma Rays on Man in the Moon Marigold, which I, I absolutely love that movie because it's, and it's not in, it's not in, a, it's not in, it doesn't seem to be in circulation currently because it, it did come out on uh, Blu-ray Blu on a boutique uh, label a few years ago, which is the, the DVD yeah, that I, I have. Seen it. But it is a fascinating movie because she plays this single mother 
of I think it's two two or three yeah no, I think two two daughters I believe, and she's got issues herself. So I when I was watching it, and this is one of the films that I was watching that kind of prompted me to do a podcast because I thought, okay, well this is an amazing movie. Why has no one heard of this movie? Um, she was also in um, They Might Be Giants, which okay. the band got their got their name from. They Might Be Giants, um, married to Paul Newman, so she was in a few Paul Newman movies. Not a big fan of the movie she was in with Paul Newman, which makes hmm. me um, not the most. Um, I'm going off on, on all sorts of tangents here, unrelated to mental <laughs> health. Uh, should I should I just keep recording? Just keep it going, or? Do, yeah. do like record okay yeah <laughs> yeah so, no, so, so, yeah, so like i said point, point, yeah so so point being i i'm a huge john woodward fan um three for the Vive, though is not i mean it's an awesome movie i mean i'm not gonna i mean it's a great yeah. movie definitely a great movie not my favorite john woodward movie though and the reason yeah. being for that is probably um do you remember that movie a few years ago? It might have been an '80s movie or '90s movie. It's a Face Off, the one with um, yes. Nicolas Cage, Nicolas and Cage. Uh, I, I forgot who else was in it. Which was I, it? Which was it John Travolta? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. John Travolta and uh, Nicolas Cage. That sort of uh, dramatic exercise in in filmmaking, as it were. I sort right. of got that that Face Off vibe with Three Hours of Eve. Okay. Like you could tell that she was acting, and mm-hmm. you could tell that you could tell that you were watching it, knowing that she's supposed to be playing so that's right. what that's accounts for why i don't like it as much because the okay. other film she's in you obviously the one character she's playing but with this and it's probably if i hadn't ever seen face off to begin with that i could probably <laughs> play face off because you're watching it and you're and you're thinking like i'm talking about face off you're, you're watching it and you're going okay well that's that's really the the nicholas cage character but it's in john travolta's you know what I mean? So that kind of, right, right. you know, uh, second guessing is watching the movie going, okay, well, is that Nicolas Cage or is that the John Travolta character? That yeah. sort of uh, second guessing kind of just nags at me all through the movie. when I watch. So if I hadn't seen Face Off first, I probably would like Through the much, much better. Well, I think my, um, I actually didn't watch Three Faces of Eve until, um, probably within the last year and uh, the reason why I started watching it is because I have um, I have the same diagnosis I have um, what they used to call multiple personality disorder I have um, that they now call dissociative identity disorder and um, I have been diagnosed with that and so um, so that's why I watched it because it's one of the only representations. I mean, there's some other representations of multiple personalities or DID um, around, but that's one that, you know, everybody refers to. So that's why I actually ended up watching it is because, is because I just wanted to see how it was represented in film. Yeah. And it's, it, look at that. It's, it's a, it's a great movie and it, it's from the era of movies like the, 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 the snake pit come, comes to mind. Um, which is another movie, which I, I think that was covered on a previous episode, probably will be on a future episode as well, because it's it's a great movie. But definitely from that era, you know, um, spell, spell, uh, Spellbound, the Alfred Hitchcock movie, same, mm-hmm. same cut from the same cloth in, in many ways. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, though, in in the film Three Fifths of Eve, the, the um, dissociative episodes are 
literally called upon, in other words, meaning that mm -hmm. the Joanne Woodward character, Eve, uh, Eve, Eve White is her character name, uh, based on a true story, as I understand it. But yes. her, her other personality, or personalities, as the movie goes on, can be called and called upon by, mm -hmm. by the psychiatrist played by uh, Lee Cobb. Have you found that to be true in your experience that, that the other personality can be called on like at a moment's notice? Because in the film, she's depicted as being aware of it and no, like aware when the other Mm -hmm. sides of her for like a better word are, are coming right. out have you experienced that the, the same thing or is it how how different would it be in, no in it's usually um it's it's always with a trigger mm -hmm. so if something is stressful or if we're talking specifically about a certain um age category that i was in when the abuse happened um that's when um, switches happen in my brain. Um, it's not that, you know, just walking around the market all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm a different person. That's one thing that is kind of a misnomer about it is that everybody who has dissociative identity disorder is going to show up at different places, wearing different clothes um, with a different accent or anything. And that's really not, not the way it is. Um, most of, um, almost all of the time, the trigger for me is um, sitting with my therapist and working things out. So, so, um, so it's not like, and there are, there are some other things that will, um, uh, that will trigger that, but um, not, not like, hey, I want to talk to your 13 year old, you know, we send her on out, you know, that's not, really the way it works for me. Now, there are people who say that is the case. Um, and, you know, they, I can't speak to their experience, but there are people, it really, it, it really, um, Brian runs the gamut of people who do show up in different places and different clothing and, you know, and completely change. And then there's people that it's a little bit more um, subtle and innocuous, you know, so. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have this podcast so that people, if they're watching Three Fifths of the Vive and they think, oh, well, I wonder, I wonder if that's like how it is in real life. And obviously, as with any, any film, even if based on a true story, you right. are going to have some, some dramatic license to, to make it um, you know, more impactful. Or... Well, one thing I think is interesting in that movie is she has kind of this head drop and then she comes up as a different person. And that, that isn't my experience. My experience is it just switches in my brain. And um, it's not like, you know, there's this, it's not like there's this physical trigger all of a sudden or physical representation of that. Yeah, and the and when it first happens, um, and, and the character she plays, Joanne Woodward, she is uh, married in, in the film, and her mm -hmm. husband is at wit's end as the movie begins, and he he um, takes her in to um, you know get evaluated, and when when the first episode um, happens in, in the film, he's not the most um, you know, supportive or, or, or understanding. I mean, if anything, he's like, you know, what do you, you know, I think the first episode is, I think she, she buys a, a dress and, and shoes and, and, she, and then, and then she comes to, and she doesn't realize that she bought all these shoes and, and these dresses. And, yeah. um, but uh, yeah, over time though, he, he does, you know, you know, not, not necessarily a spoiling an ending or anything like that, but over time he does, 
um, become more um, understanding of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, what what um, set you on on your journey into the um, you know the, the the wild and wonderful world of um, you know me- mental health <laughs> and, and mental illness and, and, and all that that comes with you know. Um, you know, I, you know, a couple of things. One, um, I always knew that I had um, mental health struggles. I didn't always know that, but I knew that the potential was there because of the crazy violent household that I was raised in. Um, and so I had seen counselors on and off over the years for, for quite a while. And I've been told that I had PTSD, but I never really had that treated. It wasn't until my mid thirties that um, I started actually needing treatment for depression and so I knew that I knew that that was a part of um, of who I was but it wasn't until six years ago and I went down to a workshop in Arizona and um, and I had it was a workshop on childhood trauma and on the third day of the workshop I had a major dissociative episode and they said you know you really need to be inpatient in the hospital and I was like I don't think so they <laughs> said yeah you really need to be and so I ended up almost three months in the middle of Wickenburg Arizona um uh, you know, at this, at this psych facility. And, uh, so that I came out of that experience with a diagnosis of complex PTSD, a major depressive disorder, an anxiety disorder and a dissociative disorder. And so, you know, I, I was uneducated about mental illness. I was uneducated about any of those words. They just sounded like big complicated words to me. The only thing I knew for sure coming out of that was that I would need um, mental health resources uh, for the rest of my life, including maybe, you know, medication and doctors and, you know, all of that. But I would also be living a totally different life than I was. I was a workaholic. I was a pastor for 30 years. Um, I just, you know, ran, 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 was crazy. I had a consulting business. I had a photography business. So I just came away from that knowing that all of that was going to change. And so six and a half, six years ago, my life just dramatically switched um, on a dime based on a mental breakdown. So that's what started my journey into figuring this all out cool cool now i wanted to also ask you what um you had, you had, as far as what you had mentioned about um being a, a a pastor what what role has has faith played in in in, in your, your recovery faith has been huge to me because um, you know, I remember the, I was, I was in a foster home and then I was in guardian parents home. And then I was, you know, and I remember my first Christmas away from, um, all of the family and all of the, you know, the things that I had been grown, grown up with. And I remember sitting at uh, my guardian parents house under the Christmas tree. And I just said, okay, God, if it's just you and me, then that's, if that's all I've got, then that's going to be good enough. And so I always had this, even as a child, I had this sense of God's presence and of there being, you know, something bigger than myself out there. Uh, so, and I knew at a very young age, I wanted to serve God and, and uh, I, I knew that at 14. 
And that's the career that I pursued and, and did that for the whole of my adult life. And so, uh, yeah, I just, faith has been huge to me. It's been ultimately sustaining when I hit rock bottom uh, several times. That was the only thing that really kept me going. Cool, cool. And the reason, reason I mentioned that is one of the things that, and and by virtue of doing a podcast that for the most part is guest-based, mm-hmm. um, that kind of precludes me from expressing my opinion and perspective as often as I would otherwise, because I want right. to, to focus on, on the guests and, and, and what they're bringing to the table rather than, you know, <laughs> having me, you know, be out of yeah. soapbox or whatever. Yeah. But, but that said, one of the things that, that I, that I still find fascinating to a large extent is how um, compartmentalized a lot of recovery has been insofar as if someone finds Bible study, helpful if someone finds prayer helpful then there's almost like this shush you know shushing like you can't talk about that right. and and conversely if someone is polar opposite doesn't want to hear about it, you know because when when we tell people you're not alone which is true by the way you know i just want to emphasize that you know just brief <laughs> interjection just for those listening you are not alone uh that does also pertain to people um of faith who may feel that they're alone and mm-hmm. it can also can you know could apply to people who are atheist and agnostic um that so so like i'm not not playing favorites or anything like that but i do think it's doesn't the thing that i do find interesting though is that there tends to be a lot of like tiptoeing around right and and which makes no sense to me because if there's something that helps sustain someone if there's someone that if it's something that helps get them through their journey that should be you know, acknowledged. You know what I mean? It's- yeah, you know, it's almost. Um, I've been to, I've been to a lot of uh, meetings and recovery meetings and AA and and Al-Anon and Coda and all of those different groups. And it seems as if it is okay to talk about a higher power. <laughs> it's okay to talk about faith, kind of in um, in closeted you know, kind of ways, but it really feels like it's not safe to say I'm a Christian. I'm a Bible believing Christian. I go to church. It feels as if that's, um, that's over the line. And I I find that really interesting because, uh, like you said, if it's something that's helpful, which faith, uh, no matter what brand you're, you're at, um, faith is a huge influencer on our lives. And we, as people are body, mind, soul, and spirit, you know, and, and I would think that that would be something that would be embraced, but that's not the case in all categories. Yeah, because because I've had moments where, and I don't know if the, if you have as well, but there's moments where you're in a support group and the counselor, well, mo- yeah, mostly counselor. Otherwise, I wouldn't want to be, in a, you know, if it's not a counselor, right. um, will will often say, you know, what are some things that that you find helpful? And and there's always this like awkward feeling whenever they ask that because undoubtedly there's more than a few people who want to say. Oh well, you know, Bible study. You're going to church, but they don't want to say it for fear of stepping on people's toes. Or right. so, yeah. It, it's I do think that's interesting that there tends to be this, um, you know, strict criteria of mm-hmm. what you can and can't talk about. 
And I just, uh, that makes no sense to me because if yeah. we're, because what we're talking about at the end of the day is suicide prevention. Mm -hmm. And that's the long and short of what we're talking about here. Um, you know, I mean, nobody knows if that one Bible study, if that one going to church, that, that, that could save them from being in, in crisis. I mean, and that's not mm -hmm. an exaggeration in a lot of times. Um, well, and I think that, you know, the, the point you make that you're not alone, I, I think for me, faith does that when I do bottom out and gives me that reassurance that even though, even though people are, you know, fallible and they make mistakes and they um they let you down and they don't always show up when you need them to for me faith and god has always been there mm -hmm. and so it, even when it's even when it's really dark and seems hopeless that has mm -hmm. been something that has sustained me there are times when i have let go of that and have been overwhelmed by the situation and that's not a good place to be at all mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and I guess the point I was getting at is just that that area of just being authentic and just being true to, to what's helpful. And I think we're at a point in, in our society and, and with, you know, in a lot of mental health discourse where little by little, it seems to be going in the right direction. I mean, are yep. you finding that as well, that there's little by little more acknowledgement of that? And it's I think not, so. Okay. I think we're, uh, I think you know, I haven't been in um, the programs, you know, a long time, but I, but I feel like there's progress um, in being made that people can talk about, you know, like I said, their brand of faith a little bit more openly, but it just depends on the room. You know, it depends on, it depends on who's facilitating, who you're with, you know, it's so many different variables. Yeah. Now, in the in the um, film Theresa's of, of Eve, um, again for the most for the majority of the film, it's only two, and then the right. third one shows up. And I hope that's not a spoiler for those who haven't seen yeah. it. I, I, I hope not. Uh, but did you have a, a similar like in, in your life? Has it been like where the others sort of came later, or have they all been with you for, for the most part, like always? Um, they've that's an odd it's a, I have an odd way of answering that I feel like they've they've been with me it's just my awareness of of them has been uh limited because I just wasn't open to understanding all of the voices in my head and what you know what was going on some are more conversant way more conversant than others uh, some are too young uh to to be too you know verbal or or conversational but there are a few that are more that are more vocal and and we'll talk more and write. Uh, writing is a good outlet for me and it's a way that I can see uh, different personalities taking, not taking shape, but showing yeah. their shape. Yeah. Well, if you were to, and obviously I'm, I'm not, I don't think I could ever suggest the film being remade. Sybil in, in some ways is sort of like a slight remake yep. of the film in many ways, which is interesting because Joanne Woodward, she had a cameo. Well, I'm not sure if it would be a cameo if she was, but as a doctor in, in Sybil. So she almost oh, like really? did like return the favor in a way 
like oh, with, with Sybil. So she, you know, she know was that. in the um, in, in the film. But if you were to, um, you know, remake it or rewrite it, what would there be anything that, that you would change differently to to better match your your experience with with it? You know, like I said, the the physical representation of, you know, every time her head would drop and, you know, and that, I think I would make that more subtle because I know to translate what's happening on to picture yeah. that that's necessary or that feels like that would be a, a, a good you know, choice, mm -hmm. but it's really less subtle than that. Mm -hmm. uh, for for some people, it, it's not. But for me, if I was going to remake it, that's that's what I would say. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think I think uh, just making it more or less obvious that that's what's mm -hmm. going on. Okay. And the other thing I want to ask you about is in the film, there, there is some depiction of family as being initially, okay, what's going on, mm -hmm. and, but then over time becoming more um, understanding and, and um, whatnot of that. Um, how has um, that been for, for you as far as like family being supportive or not supportive? How has that played out? You know, for my immediate family, and they've been very, very supportive and very understanding. I think it's an evolving process just by, you know, just learning to let the information out and, and talk about it openly. Uh, so I think it's, it's an evolutionary process, but uh, my husband has been, has been very helpful. I have you know, therapist that's quite helpful in, in figuring this all out. And, you know, I don't talk about it a lot uh, because honestly, it's a controversial diagnosis. It's a controversial um topic there are some people who are just absolutely you know no question that this is this exists and there's other people that were like well no that's just a fallacy and it's made up and but my lived-in experience is that this is an actual actual thing going on in my brain and so yeah I, I took a detour there but yeah the family has has been helpful and supportive Cool, cool. Well, what would you what would you say for those listening who might be hearing you and and it, it, they can resonate with, with with what you're saying for those who might be going through similar experience with what you? I described? would say find support somewhere. Find um, a group where you can feel like you can share what's going on, whether it be NAMI, uh, the National Alliance for Mental Illness has, you know, support groups and, uh, or you, if you're in a larger area, you could find a, a group that would support your experience. And I would say that is essential because knowing, or even like I'm on a Facebook group right now for all DID people and just to read that and to realize I'm not alone. This experience isn't, uh, isn't only me. There are other people in the world that feel this way. Just even stuff like that is really, really a big deal to keeping you from going over the edge because yeah. you're like, okay, there are others that live like this and live well. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, um, as we wind down, I did want to mention a few more resources, including, including one that you you already mentioned, and that's NAMI, mm -hmm. a National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI.org. There's also uh, Mental Health America, MHA National.org. 
uh, Mad in America, uh, madinamerica.com has been uh, mentioned. Um, now, how would people learn more about the, the, the work you're doing if they wanted to, to, to learn? Yeah, more? you can go to Jill Riley, J I L L R I L E Y.com, mm -hmm. and that has a link to both the Post Traumatic Phase podcast and my blog and any information about me. So it's all kind of right there in one spot. Okay, cool. Good deal. Well, thanks. Thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And thank you, those of you at home or at work, wherever you may be. Um, stay safe, everyone, and uh, talk to you next time. Uh, bye.